0: But for me, I was really afraid of failure. You know, I'm essentially saying like, hey, I'm forfeiting all this stuff that I've built and I'm betting on something. I'm publicly announcing to all my friends, family, classmates that I'm going to embark on this journey and I'm hoping that I'm right. You know, and if I'm not right, I'm thinking about the embarrassment that I'm going to feel Hello, and welcome to Wind Down, Build Up, the podcast giving you the tea and the tools to succeed in business. I'm Tabitha Solomon. And I'm KJ Miller.
1: Today on the show, we're discussing the biggest fears of entrepreneurs and how we've overcome them.
0: Woo, you know, this one's gonna be really interesting because this requires us to be honest, and open and transparent about our personal fears and also just share like how we've overcome them to be able to persevere on this journey of entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah. And it is, you know, a fairly terrifying journey. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I we talk to entrepreneurs all the time who talk about the different things they're scared of before they launch the things they're scared of once they've launched. And mm-hmm. we're going to tackle all of that. Um, and hopefully give you guys some good tips
0: on how to overcome those fears. Great. Now, if you haven't, please be sure to follow us on Spotify and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It's a free way to show your support and help boost us in the algorithms. All right. So let's get into the T portion of our conversation this week. And it is about the utmost failure of leadership what <laughs> which is Donald Trump and him inciting uh is that the right word inciting like inciting, inciting. um mm-hmm. essentially domestic terrorists to attack the Capitol just one week ago as our senators were counting the ballots to you know name Biden the official president um you know, there's some people making jokes about it on social media, but I I can't take this as a joke at all. I think it is literally a travesty and an embarrassment for our country around the world. And it goes to show you that when cruelty and racism and misogyny doesn't go unchecked, the level that it could really get to into harming um, our democracy as a whole. Um, I'm curious on your thoughts, because I know, you know, I tend to be a bit more tamed when it comes to publicly, (laughs) (laughs) like ripping into our president. And I know you have really strong opinions, but this, I mean, really struck a chord with me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think you're exactly right that what we saw was the culmination of years of unchecked white supremacy, white nationalism, um, and And what happens when you don't give any consequences and, and hold anyone accountable for their actions? And when you have a, a president and a commander in chief who has the, the bully pulpit that he has and uses it for destruction rather than uplifting and unifying our country, which is exactly what he's been doing, not just since he became president, but since he was running for president, since before mm-hmm. he was running and spouting off racist birtherism nonsense about President Barack Obama. I mean, this is a man who has thrived on the anger of white nationalists, who has built his entire platform on the anger of white nationalists, and who has made, you know, really hasn't made it a secret at all that in him they have a friend and that they won't face consequences for their actions, and that, in fact, on his behalf, they should be objecting to election results they should be violently demanding quote unquote justice um and mm-hmm. and you know i think it is just it's such a shame but like so many people said while it was shocking it wasn't a surprise it it was shocking mm. to see our capital overrun with these these anarchists these 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 thugs these criminals that's a shocking sight to see but at the end of the day what could we have expected? You really can't expect anything else when you have a man holding the highest office in the land, telling these people that the election was stolen from them. Right, and so it right, just, yeah, it it really is just so fundamentally heartbreaking. Um, but, you know, thinking about it from the perspective of our tea, what we wanted to think through or talk through was the fact that we are finally seeing some companies really grow a backbine, a backbone, and a spine and say that they will no longer make political political contributions to these traitorous Republicans who tried to say that the election was stolen and who anticipated and inciting this riot in any way. we're finally starting to see companies stand up and say, "I'm not going to keep pouring money into your campaigns when you stand for." essentially overthrowing our democracy
0: that's absolutely right and if you're curious on some of the companies who are standing up and saying enough is enough uh some of the companies are marriott hallmark blue cross blue shield dell airbnb at&t uh, I hate Comcast, but I appreciate them here. <laughs> American Express, Verizon. I mean, the list goes on and on. Walmart, Nike, Zillow, Facebook. The list goes on and on. Google, Microsoft, Ford, Charles Schwab. Um, and you know what? I think when the companies start taking a stance and they start pulling their money out of supporting these candidates, it speaks largely and loudly to... Uh, just our our country and to the senators as a whole and thinking, wait, I have to think twice here because without those dollars, they can't campaign effectively and they can't uh, campaign effectively, the chances of them winning uh, dwindles. And so there's a lot of ramifications of supporting this type of behavior. Um, the second thing that's really interesting to note here uh, from a uh, 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 in regards to this whole debacle is um as of right now of the recording of this podcast the house has just impeached trump for the role in deadly capital riots mm-hmm. so this will be the sec. uh this will be the first time in history that a president has been impeached twice um now when you're trying to make the history books this is not <laughs> typically what you want to make history for no, not at all <laughs> it, it's not um But again, it goes to show you, in my opinion, that, you know, foolery, you can only get away with foolery for so long and eventually catches up with you. You know, whether it is in this example of Trump or people who are embezzling money in a business or Enron or, you know, anything else in between, I feel like we've heard and seen it all. It always catch up with you, you know? So what happens in the dark will come to light. The first shall be last, last shall be first, and all those other proverbs. This is another great example of that coming true.
1: I agree. I hope. Um, I mean, what's sad about the the companies pulling out their money is that, like most of these companies, I would have had no idea that they were contributing to all of these um, really terrible politicians. You know, but but mm-hmm. our system has made it such that it's in these companies' best interest to spread their money mm-hmm. around right? Like, cause at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you just want politicians in your corner for when like Google, the justice department brings suit against you. You want someone, you know, in Congress who's going to stand up and say, wait, not Google, you know, <laughs> like, so it's mm-hmm. in their best interest to just spread their money out. And it's a shame that our system um, is that way. But, uh, you know, I guess I do at the very least commend these companies for, for making this small and very late stand. (laughs) The shade, KJ, the shade. (laughs)
0: Uh, Awesome. So let's get to the tools portion of our conversation today. So we're talking about the biggest fears that entrepreneurs face uh, during an You know, uh, the idea phase, development phase, when you launch and even running the business, those fears often don't go away. Uh, Some of them morph and some of them change, but there's always some fears there. Um, And, you know, I'll go ahead and kick it off and talk about one of my biggest fears. Um, When I was working my corporate job at Google, um, you know, making a cushy salary, getting free food, breakfast lunch and dinner free gym it was very comfortable you know um and i was trying to climb this corporate ladder even though it was moving way slower than i thought it should um but for me i was really afraid of failure you know i'm essentially saying like hey i'm forfeiting all this stuff that i've built and i'm betting on something I'm publicly announcing to all my friends, family, classmates, that I'm going to embark on this journey, and I'm hoping that I'm right, you know, and if I'm not right, I'm thinking about the embarrassment that I'm going to feel, like, will people think that I'm a loser, that I'm a failure, because a lot of people associate themselves and their business as one and the same, Mm -hmm. Um, and I tend to, I, you know, I remember saying this to you a long time ago, like, where you KJ's KJ minted is minted, and I it's funny because a year later, I still feel like tap the tap the party dash is party dash. but it is definitely a part of my identity. They're not one and the same, but it is part of who I am at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, the feel of failure is real. It was real before I launched. It was real during the launch, and it's real a year and a half later. Because it, it just feels like with entrepreneurship, one bad thing, you know, like one bad lawsuit or one bad, you know, couple of bad reviews or something could come along and it could all the rug could be pulled up under me any day. And so it's like always trying to win the day, win the day, win the day type of mentality. And so, you know, that is my has been and. Continues to be my biggest fear, and I think how I've gone about trying to minimize that fear because I think a little bit of fear is good, but how I've gone to minimize it so it doesn't become, um, doesn't impair my progress is beforehand. It's like doing a little bit of testing. We always talk about this on this podcast, like doing testing before I launch to build my confidence and build my assurance that I was onto something doing market testing having some quantifiable uh surveys and statistics behind me so our uh so it built my confidence and I felt like I wasn't just like oh I like you know pink ice cream so I'm going to make pink ice cream for everyone it was like no I I did a bit of due diligence before we launch um uh, and so that kind of like calmed my concerns in the beginning but now the, the fear as I continue to like grow is like like I just mentioned like focusing on like one step in front of the other. You know, like uh one of my friends always says make sure you crawl before you walk and then <laughs> make sure you walk before you run. Um and like trying not to go from like being, you know, someone who crawls to sprinting Um, because I feel like when people grow too fast, that also could be like an issue where you miss a whole bunch of structural changes or systematic things to kind of make sure you're set up for success. So, you know, between like testing and iterating and using the data and making sure I'm making like, uh, for me, like, um, winning the day. So gradual wins, those are some things I've done to kind of like calm down this like fear that's always in the back of my head, which is ultimately around failure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think there is a real fear of failure, not just when you launch, but but also once you've launched. And I think for me, in the beginning, the fear of failure, like you said, it was all about testing um, and getting feedback before we launched, making sure there was actual demand for the product we were launching before we launched it. Um, But the other thing is, I would just say is to remember, you know, most people, it's funny, we build up this idea of failure in our own heads, but most people don't consider someone who took a risk and chased a dream um, to be a failure, even if that thing doesn't work out. That's just not, I think because America is so built on the idea of the American dream. I think there does tend mm-hmm. to be a real respect for people who 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 go out there and, and try, whether that's building mm-hmm. a tech company or opening a restaurant, you know, like, mm-hmm. I think there's mm-hmm. real, there is a real respect sort of built into our culture for people who are willing to take a risk and, and, and try something with all of their heart. Um, And I think, you know, it's important to remember that, that even though you might fail, right? Like that is true. You might fail at the task at hand. It's actually fairly unlikely that other people will view you as a failure because of that. Um, And Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes you can lose sight of that. But I've, I've certainly found that to be true. I know plenty of people who have walked away from startups or had startups not work out. And I've never thought to myself, oh, that person is a failure. If anything, I think like, wow, that person has so much grit and, you know, works Mm -hmm. so hard. And those end up being people that I really, really admire. So I I would just keep that in mind as well.
0: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Do you want to take the second one?
1: Yeah, I would say a big one I hear from um, a lot of people, some students I've had, friends I've had, is excuse me, the fear of giving up their current financial security. And you touched on this Mm -hmm. when you talked about the fact that you were coming from Google, a really comfortable job. Um, And I think people sort of, they look at their situation, even if they're extremely unhappy in their current job, that job is paying the bills, that job is giving them a 401k, that job Mm -hmm. is, you know, potentially going to give them maternity or paternity leave when they decide to have kids all sorts of security and things that really and truly matter. And when you think about giving that up, it's, you sort of feel like, wouldn't that be crazy of me? Like, wouldn't that make me (laughs) a bad decision maker to give up security in pursuit of something that is so nebulous um, and is Mm -hmm. so fragile. And Mm -hmm. I would say the thing that I certainly felt this too and for me, the way that I um, overcame this was one, I started my, you know, the business minted while I still had my full-time job. So mm-hmm. I didn't just say like, oh, I've got this great idea, I'm going to quit today. Um, and I almost never recommend that unless you've got a trust fund to, to fall back on. <laughs> right? Like we started making the lipsticks and sending the lipsticks out. We did that on our free time on the weekends, Amanda and I. Um, so that, you know, we didn't have to immediately give up our financial security in order to start exploring, um, minted. That's, that's sort of the first thing. And the second thing is, you know, we set real goals for ourselves, um, before we decided to quit our jobs. So for us, Mm -hmm. kind of the biggest one was we knew we wanted to raise money. And so we said, let's wait until we have a term sheet. Um, you know, which is a, a commitment from a fund to invest a certain amount of money at at a certain price, what have you. And for us, that was what we needed to see before we felt comfortable leaving our jobs. For other people, it might be something else. You might want to wait until you've actually got sales from the product. You might want to wait until you don't just have a term sheet, but you actually have an investor who's put money in the company. You might want to, you know, there you can set your own milestone or whatever it is. But I think for us, that was another way for us to feel like, okay, we're not just giving up this financial security for a hope and a dream. We are giving it up because we have real indicators that this other thing that we're pursuing is going to work out. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I I, Honestly, that is, you know, outside (coughs) of failure, this financial security is definitely the second most Uh, common concern I hear from aspiring entrepreneurs. And I will say a couple other things there. One is um, so maybe I'm just an over planner. Like when I was going to apply to HBS, I knew I was going to apply to HBS five years before I applied. And I kind of like mapped everything out before that happened. Um, And before I launched my business, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur about three years before I quit my job. And so I actually started to think about what would I need to live on to be comfortable, you know? And so I built out a simple simple spreadsheet, nothing complicated, just plus minus, divide, multiply type of stuff, right? Build a little model. And I essentially said, This is how much I think I need to live on. And I decreased my cost of living. So I could save enough money to have enough runway to live off that for three to five years. Right. So that's kind of crazy, honestly, like that I could reduce my expenses before leaving my job and after leave my job to be able to live off that type of money. But it's freedom, you know, to be able to like give myself that amount of time to like figure stuff out, Um You know, a lot of people were talking about overnight success. Most overnight success take ten years to build, you know? (laughs) It was like the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Like and once I started looking at people that I look up to and the businesses that they've built, like it it does feel like there's like a inflection point where they go from someone you've never heard of to them becoming like a household name, but they were grinding and not paying themselves for like you know, five plus years, you know, hear stories like that, or, you know, or they're paying themselves pennies for so many years. And so it's like, if you believe in your idea enough, uh, one way you can like not just like lose everything is just to plan out plan ahead you know plan out what is your financial life gonna look like and I know that looks different for everyone depending what kind of job you're leaving and also like do you have a family to take care of things of that sort but you know something to think about like m- map out like I I, I kind of live by what was then like the uh, 60-40 rule I lived off 40% of my income and I saved 60% of my income Uh, And so, you know, like something to think about. And I think the other thing I'll add there about financial security is uh, once you go into business, I think a lot of people are super passionate about the product or service that they're producing, but they're not spending enough time with the numbers. Um, And I was guilty of this. In the beginning, I like was outsourcing everything to a bookkeeper and she was only showing me the numbers like every three or like every three months, if I'm not mistaken, that's really not how often you should be looking at your numbers, right? You should be looking at it way more frequent frequency than that. Uh, so I switched to uh, Bench, um, and they're now my bookkeepers, and so I can go in and look at my balance sheet, my income statements, and my cash flow on a weekly basis, and it's always updated. Um, so I love them. Like I don't get any affiliate or anything for for talking about them, but I love this company um, because bookkeeping was just a task I felt like took way too much time and should be something that's outsourced. Like that's not my core competency. That's not something I felt like I should be spending my time doing. And so if you feel like, Oh, you're always running behind. And because you're running behind, you don't really know what your books look like. You don't know what your numbers look like. And like, if you do that, then you're going to like get into the cycle of not being able to run your business effectively. And honestly, one of the top reasons why businesses fail isn't because you don't have a great product, or great service. It's because you don't know your numbers and not like ignoring your numbers, not doing your bookkeeping, staying on top of it. So, you know, outside of planning, just uh, how, how you can live off your savings appropriately, also having bookkeeping measures in place in a very tactical way and staying on top of it for you to like calm some of your concerns and fears about finances. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The next one I'll add to this conversation, uh, again, just being really open and vulnerable is this idea of being left out. Um, so I will see some of my friends who are at Google who are not uh, you know, we we were at the same level when I left and they've been promoted, you know, and they have larger teams and they have more equity at Google, you know, and they, you know, their salary has gone up and they've been able to buy bigger houses. And it's like, you know, sometimes, and it's not often because honestly, I feel like my freedom, and that's what I have right now, I feel very free, um, like supersedes all that to be quite honest with you. But there are times where I'm like, man, kind of sucks to see them like be able to advance. And here we are like, you know, growing, you know, grinding, making things happen. But it's not the corporate path that I once thought that I saw for myself and letting go of what that vision of what could have been. Is something that's really important to me so I don't feel left out and I focus on like what I am building and I surround myself with other entrepreneurs who are in similar situations to create a new norm of what this new vision will look like for my life and my reality has been super helpful but you know I think it's it's common when you leave a group and you see other people like who stay, you know, the straight and narrow path and how they've continued to climb and you take another path. But sometimes I wonder those people, they might climb that ladder to the top and wonder, did I climb the right ladder? And for me, I decided to get off that corporate ladder and essentially take a different path. And, um, you know, I, there's yet to be a day that I've regretted that decision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that. And I, in some ways it's, I feel happy because I don't think this is a fear that I've ever felt. Um, Mm. Just because when I look at the people still at the corporations that I left, I don't feel any envy or jealousy or anything at Mm -hmm. all because Mm -hmm. I know that I wasn't happy there, you know, and it's not, it's not because um, it's not shade in any way they are thriving and mm-hmm. they're doing a great job but I wasn't happy and I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I was getting to live out my 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 dreams my passions I didn't feel like I was getting to do the work that I was even meant to do so mm-hmm. um, yeah I don't mind being left out of the corporate trajectory at all because I don't mm-hmm. think I could have I, I just don't think
0: I was set up for success there mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I but I get that makes total sense yeah I think that one probably is even more magnified so I remember having this conversation with another entrepreneur their business wasn't doing as well as they hoped um and I think that was the tough part for them Mm -hmm. um you know they had a family they like made a lot of sacrifices to go after their idea and um you know, I think it's like, sometimes they question, like, do they make the right decision for their family's sake?
1: Um, Yeah, so you know, I think the next fear I'll talk about is one that I I feel more acutely now than in the early stages, which is the fear of essentially um, letting the people down who are mm. intricately involved now when this, with this company. So our employees, our investors, um, even the, the agencies, the suppliers and vendors we work with, knowing now that like it's it's beyond just the fear of failure, which is like, you know, nobody wants to fail and more like, oh, what's going to happen to all of these people who have come along for the ride? If it doesn't work out, particularly our employees, um, and I've heard uh, I've heard founders speak about this. I remember going to a talk and hearing Katrina Lake, the founder of Stitch Fix, talk about this and how she was so scared. You know, they were sort of in a position where they had like eight weeks of runway, right? So they were running out of cash, and she was just realizing, like, wow, I might have to let these people go and you know some of my employees have kids that are building families some of you know like and she just felt so distraught and certainly um that is a fear a a fear that I hold and know well um we've certainly had cash constrained moments and moments where I'm sort of wondering like you know how is this going to end up and um I think the thing that she said and that I have to remind myself of is everyone knows what they're signing up for Mm -hmm. when they sign up to work at a startup. You know, everyone knows, look, we're not L'Oreal, you know, like come hell or high water, L'Oreal is going to continue to be a business Mm -hmm. for the next foreseeable future. Right. Like it's such a big business, but that's not true of every startup. Um, And, and people know what they're signing up for. And they know that with great risk comes great reward. The reward is, in your role, you get so much more responsibility, so much more credit, you get to learn so much more quickly, and you get so much more autonomy Mm -hmm. than you would ever get at a L'Oreal, right? But at L'Oreal, what you don't get in autonomy and responsibility and credibility, you do get in job security. And so, you know, there is a trade off, but people know that about startups. And as long as you can look in the mirror and say, look, I have been the best steward I can be of these people, of this money, of this brand, and it just didn't work out, then you, sh- you know, you can feel good about the work that you're doing, even if you have to end up laying people off or or, or or things don't work out for the people on your team. And so that is something I've had to remind myself of, like, look, we are a startup and people know that startups are risky people sign up for that risk-reward trade-off. Um, but it is something that I think can can start mm, to feel paralyzing. That is paralyzing, so, if you so,
0: so good, KJ. Um, I, I can attest that, like, those fears have definitely crept in my head, you know, at some point or another. And I think that's such a, like, a, a great way to look at it. It's like, you know, I I think it always goes back to, like, have you given it everything that you can like it's not like you like squandered it because you're like throwing massive parties you know <laughs> or you know or like just being silly or mm-hmm. stupid with it it's one thing to test things and it doesn't work you know iterate and it doesn't work and try new things out and it doesn't work that's one thing when you're doing that it's nothing just to be like stupid with you know with the resources the people whatever you have on your team so I love this idea of reminding yourself as a founder um, that like everyone knows that like with, like with great risk, there's great reward. And it's, it reminds me of like, you know, my friends who like trade uh, on the market, you know, some of them are like hitting big, especially after the market highs of 2020 and they had to take some risk there and some people lost, you know? Um, but I love that because it, it is, I feel like you're speaking to me on that one. Um, well, this is this is good. I'm so glad we had this conversation because I think, you know, we've talked about the fear of failure, the feel fear of losing your financial security, the fear of being left out or not accepted, and the fear of letting those around you down. And in each one of those examples, it all starts in your mind, right? Like speaking to yourself and letting yourself know that, all those fears may be true, but like if you have conviction around your idea, like it's better to go after it and not let the fear win and not have to live with the what ifs. What if like that idea was the big idea that could have changed my life and my trajectory or the world in some way, you know? And um, I hope that some of the conversations we, KJ and I've had here and talking about how we've dealt with it personally or you know, coach other people on how to deal with it might help you in some way and persevering, pushing through to get on the other side. Well guys, that's it for this week. I told you we had so much gems and content for you guys this week. I really hope you're loving it and got some value. It's so fun. We will love it if you would just take a moment of your time to give us a five-star rating and tell a friend, hey, it's free. It's free to show us some love.
1: Absolutely. And if you've got a topic you'd love for us to dive into, just send us an email at winddownbuildup@gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.